Well, who here would call themselves a morning person? Raise your hand if you are a morning person. Okay, more people. Um, uh, where's the night owls? Night owls, raise your hand, right? Uh, some of you guys go to bed about the time the morning people are getting up, right? Uh, anybody here not go to bed yet? You've just been up all night long and you're, you're still going today. Maybe you might have somebody here uh, throughout the day. Well, if you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. Not only am I the lead pastor here, but I personally am a morning person. I get up early and I go to bed very early. If I'm up for the 10 o'clock news, it's probably because I'm on the news. That's the only reason I, I would be up. But whether you are a morning person or a night owl, I'm so glad that all of you are here today, including anyone who's joining us on video or in one of our video services. I, I love the mornings now, but I've not always been that way. My parents can attest to that. The 1990 song by Slaughter, Up All Night, Sleep All day. That could have been the anthem for my life or a lot of, of my life. When I was a kid, my mom was so happy in the mornings. It was annoying. Like she, in high school, she would wake my twin brother and I up by coming into our room singing songs like Mary Poppins or something. She had this calendar that would tell her it's national something day, national whatever week. And so she would burst into our room in the morning singing songs. And then she would say something like, it's national pizza week. I was just waiting for the time. It was national throw something at your mom day. Can I get a witness up in here for that, right? So I've not always loved the mornings, but I love the mornings now. To me, there's just something beautiful about the start of a brand new day. Yesterday is gone. A new day has arrived. It's a blank canvas full of opportunities. And I don't want to be morbid at all in saying this, but we need sometimes a fresh reminder that not everyone gets to wake up every morning. Not everyone gets to live today. Like today truly is a gift that we have in our lives. As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of a, of a character in a, a recent movie that came out, Peter Rabbit. I took my daughter Jada to see Peter Rabbit for a daddy-daughter date a few months ago, and there's this character, it's the rooster in, in the story, uh, and we, we took two clips from the movie, we mashed them together to show you here. I want you to see how this rooster responded to the sun rising with each brand new day. I thought this was hysterical. You might just think I'm weird, which you're probably right, but go ahead and check out the video. <laughs> I just think we should be a little more like the rooster when it comes to each new day. Not that we should be surprised that we are alive. That was hilarious. But what if we just entered each day with this expectation of experiencing what God has for us? And here's why I think we, we need this. It's very easy for us as human beings to get caught up in the cycle of Monday through Friday, crash Saturday and Sunday, get a few vacation days here or there, but it's just this continuous Monday through Friday, January through December, birth to grave cycle. 
And the problem is in doing that, if we're not careful, we can end up missing out what God has for us on each individual day. So what if we began to see each new day as a new way, a new opportunity to experience what God has for us? It's actually the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down, and it's this. Each new day presents a new way to experience what God has for us. Each new day, there's a new way, a new opportunity every day to experience what God has for us. We're in a sermon series right now called 19. And here at the start of 2019, I just thought it would be good for us to take one chapter of the Bible, Psalm chapter 19, and use that chapter as some insight, some inspiration to motivate our lives in this new year. Last week, we walked through the first four verses of Psalm 19, talking about the purpose of life. If you missed last week, we'd encourage you to jump online, watch or listen to the messages there. Today, as I said, I want to talk to us about what God has for us with each new day. Now, I know that not everyone who's with us, not everyone who's listening or watching online believes in God. And that's a choice that we all have to make, right? And and no matter what you believe, I want you to know we're going to do our best to, to love you here just the same. I do want to say, though, that outside of God, I don't think there's much meaning to life. Outside of God, I don't think there's much to experience with each new day. Sure, we might get creative and adventurous in how to live our lives. We might do some good things here or there, but there's no real eternal significance. But with God and eternity in the equation, that changes everything. Each new day truly does present a new way, a new opportunity to experience what God has for us or to help someone else experience what God has for them. The big question then we have to answer today is this, what do I have in God each day? What do I have? If there's something new to experience with God, what do I have in God each day? Psalm chapter 19 Last part of verse four through verse six is where we'll be today. If you're gonna use a hard copy of a Bible, Psalm is in the Old Testament, about halfway through the Bible. If you got one, if you didn't even bring a Bible, we'll have all the verses and information on the screens. And if you don't own a Bible, please don't leave without one today. We'd love to give you one for free. Uh, Just ask for one out in the lobby at guest services or the Next Steps wall. We'll get you a Bible free of charge. King David whom God used to write this chapter. He starts out in the first four verses talking about nature, how how each day nature proclaims the glory of God. It proclaims it by what it shows. And in the beauty and majesty of nature itself, it actually points people all over the world to our God. Well, then David continues, the last part of verse four, Psalm 19 says this, God has made a home. Everyone say home. God's made a home in the heavens for the sun. I was so encouraged by this in preparing for the message. I already, I already knew this reality, but I needed reminded of it in my life. So what do I have in God each day? The first thing I have in God each day is this. I have a place to belong. I have a place to belong. Isn't that good news? Like, here's the thought that came to my mind that was so encouraging to me, and it's from that verse we just read. That if God can make a home in the heavens for the sun, 
then he can make a home on the earth for my soul. Isn't that good? If God gives a home for the heavens, for the sun, then he can make a home for me on the earth. Now, I understand the earth is not my permanent home. It is not my, my eternal home that's waiting for me in heaven. But the good news is I don't have to wait until heaven to belong. I have a place to belong today. In a beautiful description of God from Psalm 68, King David writing this one as well, Psalm 68, five and six says this, father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Isn't that awesome? What's one of the primary avenues that God uses to place the lonely in families? I think it's the church. Not, not like the building, but, but God's people, Christian people, the church. The church is intended to be a family. That, that sometimes we are a family for people who may not have family otherwise. Maybe they are rejected or estranged from their family. Maybe they are not geographically close to their family. Maybe they lost their family due to death. Whatever it is, we as a church are intended to be a family. And I'll warn you, be careful where you say amen. But family's messy, right? Like family, I don't know about your family, but family's messy, one of our core values here at Element Church really leads us to embrace the mess as a family. It's, the core value is a place to call home. That's what we want our church to be for all people, a place to call home, that we would love people for who they are so we can lead them to where they need to be. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you have believed or what you currently believe, we love you for who you are and we love you as you are. But listen, listen. Because we love you, we will also do our best to lead you to where you need to be. And the way we do that is we use scripture as the guide to lead all of us, me included, to where we need to be in our walk with Christ. And I can't think of a greater sign in our culture that the church needs to do this better or a greater group of people today that are in need of the church providing a place to belong than with LGBT people, which is why we are doing a sermon series starting February 3rd called Grace and Truth. Now, I do wanna talk about the series here for a moment, but as you'll see, this also fits perfectly into the point here. In Grace and Truth, the slide's on the screen there, we are gonna join the conversation that's already happening in our world around gender and sexuality. We're all sexuality, but leaning more into the LGBT conversation. I don't believe there's a more important or relevant conversation happening today in the world than, than that one. And sadly, the church, not just Element Church, but the church, God's church, has not done the best job joining the conversation. We, we've made statements, we've declared our stance, but we've not really joined the conversation. So in the series, we wanna help equip all of us in the church to, to 
more confidently join the conversation? How should we respond? Uh, what, what, what does the Bible say about this subject? What does the Bible mean about what it says? That's what this series is about, this intersection of faith, gender, and sexuality. I said this last week. I'll keep on saying it as we move towards and go through the series. More than the church needs to be right about what we believe, we need to be right about how we respond. Because if we are right about what we believe, but wrong in how we respond, then the very people who we want to hear what we believe will not listen. We'll miss our opportunity. The very ones we want to belong will not want to belong if we don't respond the right way. Case in point, and here's how this fits into this message. Andrew Marin, in the biggest research project of its kind, it took over six years to conclude, he interviewed hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of LGBT people from every state in America, including Washington, D.C. The project was then analyzed and approved by the University of Chicago. And since studies like this are often contentious or just dismissed due to bias, he found two professional scholars on polar opposite ends of, of ideologies on this gender sexuality debate, and both of those scholars stood behind the findings of this study. Each person in the study were asked about their religious background, and here's what they found, because a portion of the study... 83% of LGBT people were raised in the church. 83%. 51% of those people left the church after age 18. Now that probably does not surprise any of us in the room that that is the case. But do you know how many of them left the church because of what the church believed about marriage and sexuality? Only 3%. Only 3% of LGBT people left the church because of what the church believed. So why did they leave? Well, there was a number of, of reasons, half a dozen or so. Here's a few that stood out to me. 18% said they left the church because they didn't feel safe in their own church. 12% left because they said the church was unwilling to have a conversation. Hello. 9% were kicked out of their church. Were kicked out. Some of them, some gay people, often young people, are kicked out of their homes and families or kicked out of their churches for simply having a same-sex attraction with no prior action on it and sometimes with no intention to act on it that they actually hold to the same belief on marriage and sexuality that their family or their church has, but they are kicked out of their homes and kicked out of their churches for simply having that attraction. My question is, does that sound like father to the fatherless, defender of widows, placing the lonely in families, setting the prisoner free? This blew me away. 76% of LGBT people who left the church are open to coming back as long as the church makes some changes. And before you think, well, sure, they want us to change everything we believe, that's not the case. Only 8% said the church would need to change their theology of marriage and sexuality to come back. The changes they are looking for are relational, not theological. 
That's incredible to me. It's incredible to me. So listen, this is a sign. This study to me was a sign of humanity's need in general to belong. That, that yes, it's one of the reasons why we're doing the series, but really it's why we do everything we do. Because every new day is a reminder that because of my God, I have a place to belong. With all my baggage and all my scars and all my sins, I have a place to belong and you have a place to belong with all that junk in your life as well. And friends, there is not a greater place for any anyone to belong than God's church, than his church. That's why we're doing this. And there's not a, a greater way for you to get connected into the family and to feel like you belong than to get plugged into a group at our church. That's the best way to feel connected at Element Church. So not only are we doing a, a series called Grace and Truth, but the majority of our small groups are doing a 10-week small group study that goes right along with it. And we're going to dive into some deep conversations in these groups uh, about faith, gender, and sexuality. You're going to need two books that go along with the study if you're going to the group. Those books are available at the Element Store, and we'll keep stockpiling as long as we need to. I encourage you to sign up for a group today by using the information on your seats or going to our website, elementchurch.life, or stopping out there at the Next Steps wall. If you have questions about groups, please stop by the table out in the lobby and, and ask questions about them. If you have questions about this series, please don't hesitate to ask, and please make it a priority to be here. I believe this can be an incredibly unifying and impactful time for our church. And listen, if you are here and you are gay or you are questioning, maybe you're watching or listening online, and you want to be in a, a group, I, I just want you to know that I understand by attending a group I understand the anxiety, the fear, the uncomfortability that could cause for you. And so because of the sensitivity of the subject matter we are discussing, I am creating a specific, closed, 100% confidential group for you if you're gay or questioning and you need that confidentiality. This group, I will be leading the group personally. It is by request only. We are not listing it online. It will not be in the brochure. It will not be public in any way, if you want information on that group or if you just want to share your story, uh, especially if you're gay or, or questioning, then you can email me. This email only goes to me. I'm the only one that will see this, okay? Pastor Jeff at elementchurch.life comes straight to my computer. Nobody else will see it. If that's you, I'd love to have that conversation with you as we walk through this series. Listen, we need God's help in this series. We really do. It's incredibly important. It's potentially divisive, like we all know the volatility of this subject. Because of that, I'm calling our church to a 19-day fast. The fast starts this Tuesday, January 15th. We will break the fast on Sunday, February 3rd, when we start the series. If you're not familiar with fasting, we created a fasting guide for you. They're available out at the Next Steps wall. They're also available on Facebook. They'll be on our church Facebook page today, and that will help you kind of know what to do with a fast. I'm putting on my blog tomorrow as well, jeffmanus.com. And then we're going to open the auditorium starting this Tuesday from noon to one every weekday starting this Tuesday. We're going to open up the auditorium for prayer. So if anybody wants to use the lunch hour to come in and pray as we head towards this series, that would be incredible. God 
has made a home in the heavens for the sun. So if he made a home in the heavens for the sun, he can make a home on the earth for my soul. And that's what the church is, a home for souls, all souls, to have a place to belong. Each new day presents a new way for us to experience what God has for us. So what do I have in God each day? I've got a place to belong. Psalm 19, verse 5, then says this. It, referring to the sun, it bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. So like a bridegroom is full of joy in awe of his bride, ready to embrace this new season of life. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race, like an athlete's ready to, to put his strength to the test, to, to face the, the race that is marked out before him. He, here's the way I'm, I'm wording it for uh, this point. What do I have in God each day? Number two is this, I have a reason to praise. One amen. Anybody else want to praise God today? I've got a reason to praise, amen? Yeah, we, we, we have a reason to praise because of, of God today. Psalm 113, verse 3, puts it this way. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, meaning every day, all day, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Jeff, if you had any idea what I was going through in my life, you wouldn't say I have a reason to praise. And I get it. I do. I know for many people, yesterday did not produce much to praise about, and today has not started off much better. And now you're sitting through a sermon where some goofball uh, behind a pulpit is telling you that you have a reason to praise and you're thinking, man, my life sucks right now. I, I will never forget this awful time in my life. And can I just say that if that's how you're feeling, you're actually in pretty good company because the prophet Jeremiah in scripture felt the same way. Jeremiah was one of the most beloved, looked up to prophets of God's people, the Jewish people. And in the Old Testament book of Lamentations, Jeremiah writes this, Lamentations 3, 20 and 21. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet I still dare to hope. I added the word praise. I still dare to praise when I remember this. And what's he about to remember? That God took away all of his bad things and now his life is gumdrops and lollipops, Right? No, verses 22 through 24, I'll never forget this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. We sang that earlier, the beautiful song that, that Brielle wrote and sang. His mercies begin afresh each morning, each new day, a new reason to praise. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Isn't that powerful? The Lord is my inheritance. So what's Jeremiah saying? He's saying, if I lose everything, but I still have God, I still have a reason to praise. That's what he's saying. That each new day, Reminds me of the fact that not only did God give me this day, but on this day, God's giving me himself. Ooh, that's mind-blowing to me. That every day, God gives me him, which is worth more than anything I could experience 
in this life. So from the rising to the setting of the sun, may the name of the Lord be praised. And listen, this doesn't mean that you have to be happy about your circumstances and put on a cheesy grin all the time and ignore all the bad things in your life. That's not what Jeremiah did. Jeremiah said, I'll never forget this awful time. He acknowledged that, that life sucks sometimes. But he also acknowledged because of God, there is still a reason to praise that regardless of what this day brings, regardless of what tomorrow brings, and regardless of what yesterday brought, because his mercies begin afresh each morning, there is a reason to praise. It might be hard, but there's still a reason to praise. Each new day presents a new way, a new opportunity to experience what God has for us. So what do I have in God each day? A place to belong, a reason to praise. Then verse six says this, the sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. How are we gonna apply that one to our lives? The third thing we have in God each day, number three is this, I have a purpose to live. Got a purpose to live. A place to belong, praise God. A reason to praise, he is God. And a purpose to live. The sun has a very specific purpose, does it not? Multiple purposes. Like it provides light for the entire planet. Without the sun, it would be pitch black outside. We we sometimes forget the light, the, the moon does not produce light. It reflects the light of the sun. Like the only way we have light is, is the sun, natural light. It provides warmth for the planet. If we did not have the sun, we'd walk outside and it would be just, we'd freeze to death out there. Provides vitamin D for the skin. It provides energy for for plants to grow. God placed the sun in the heavens. It bursts forth each day in praise. It has a purpose to live and the same is true for me. The same is true for you. That you are not an accident. You were made on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose by God himself. Yes, there's a general purpose in life. Talked about that last week. But each of us have a specific, unique purpose to live out in our life as well. And you might be thinking, well, what's my purpose? I don't know God's will for my life. The bad news is only you and God can figure that out. I can't tell you what your purpose is. Other people people might confirm it in you. But only you and God know what your unique purpose is. I'll tell you this, it starts by putting your faith in Christ for salvation. That's God's purpose for everyone. 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Timothy, ultimately to us, God through him says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants, who? Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So to start out by answering the question, what's God's will for your life? It's to be saved. That's his will. And you might be thinking, saved from what? I'm feeling pretty good. Saved from sin. That all of us have sinned, all of us. That sin separates us from God. If left undealt with and unforgiven, that separation is an eternal separation from God, a spiritual death. The problem is we can do nothing 
to earn our salvation. We can't buy our way there. We can't bribe our way there. We can't earn our way there. So because we could do nothing to earn our salvation and because God loved us so much, he did everything to save us by sending Jesus to the earth. Jesus was God in the flesh. He came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us, paying the penalty for our sins. Three days later, he rose victorious, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And by faith in him, any one of us can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, power to live our lives in a way that pleases him every day. And one day, church, we will spend eternity with him in heaven. Listen, if you've never experienced the free gift of God's grace for salvation, please don't leave today without talking to somebody about that. Find me in, in the lobby. Find one of our staff members, a prayer team member at the very back of the room as soon as we're done at the purple tent back there. Find a, a volunteer. Please don't leave without at least talking to somebody about what it means to receive this gift of salvation. So that's the first part of God's will for your life. The second part is to live out that unique purpose. And you're saying, Pastor Jeff, you're still not helping me. I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know his purpose, his unique purpose. And, and that's okay. It really is. In fact, here's my challenge to, to all of us, okay? Because sometimes we get consumed about God's will for our entire life. What's God's will for my life? So here's my challenge. Stop concerning yourself about God's will for your entire life and start consuming yourself with God's will for your every day. Just do today what you know you should do. And here's why. Think about it. If you, if you live out God's will for your today and then do it again tomorrow and do it again the next day and the next and the next, if you extrapolate that out, you will end up accomplishing God's will for your entire life by simply doing his will today. Last year, my wife and I found a great resource online that can maybe help you start to discover what your unique purpose is in this life. It's, it's a website called onpurpose.me. It's on the screens there. It's just a quick little, I don't know, five-minute test, 10-minute test you take. It costs $5, so it does cost. Um, but you just go there. You can, we, we've heard it on a podcast or something. You take this little online test or quiz, and then it helps you kind of discover or frame your two-word purpose statement. And then you take those two words, and you can apply those two words to literally every area of your life and start living your life on purpose, which is onpurpose.me. Now, this was helpful for me. I would say it was freeing for my wife. She discovered what her purpose was, maybe for the very first time in your life, maybe. So my two-word purpose statement was, I exist to serve by living vision. That was my two words, living vision. My wife's was, I exist to serve by nurturing belief. That's correct, right? Nurturing belief. When it comes to purpose, here's why I think that two-word purpose statement is so helpful. When it comes to purpose, it's so much more than, than what you do. What's most important is why you do it. We get so caught up on the what. What should I do with my life? The why is the answer. Colossians 3.17, Paul, who we read earlier, said this, 
and whatever you do or say, like literally, whatever you do, I'm pretty sure the Greek word for whatever means whatever. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Do it in a way that brings honor to the Lord, giving thanks through him to God the Father. That is our purpose. Whatever I do, word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. Each new day presents a new way for us to experience what God has for us. So what do I have in God each day? I've got a place to belong. I've got a reason to praise. I've got a purpose to live. I'd encourage everybody to go, if you can, do that onpurpose.me test. It's super cool. Helps you kind of, and when it spit out those two words, I was like, yep, that's pretty much me. Be helpful for you maybe in living out your purpose. Don't forget the, the fast starts this Tuesday. Uh, we're going to open the auditorium from noon to one starting this Tuesday and then every weekday, Monday through Friday after that. If you want to come pray, that would be awesome. A couple things I'm praying for just as we close here. I'm praying for unity in our church. This subject is, is potentially divisive. And so I'm asking for God to unify us, that we'd embrace one another, even in our disagreements as we walk through this. I'm praying for impact. I believe the impact this series could have for all of us is just tremendous, that God would reach people with his grace through it. And then I'm, I'm praying for confidence. I think the subject of sexuality, especially the LGBT conversation, so many people are just not confident engaging the conversation. I know I wasn't as close as two years ago. So I want us to leave that series more confident to engage the conversation. So unity, impact, confidence, three things you can pray for as we walk through this series. I love you guys so much. You are an amazing church to be called the pastor of. Let me pray for you, then remain still. Got a few closing remarks and then we're done. God, thanks so much just for being a God that loves us. Lord, I, I, I believe one of the signs of your love is you simply reveal to us what you want us to do. We're following you. Is, it's hard, but it's really simple. It's not difficult to figure out. You, you tell us in your word what you want us to do. And Lord, every day, every day in you, we have a place to belong. Help us remember that. That when I wake up because of you, I've got a place to belong. Help us be a church that lets others belong as well. I've got a reason to praise that regardless of what happened yesterday or what will happen today or tomorrow, I've got a reason to praise and I've got a purpose to live, that you want to live your glory and light through me. Help me today, Lord, to do that. Well, thank you so much for loving us, for calling us your, your kids. We love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here, please make sure and stop by the living room before you go. We've got some volunteers. I'd love to meet you over there. If you need prayer for anything going on in your life, stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium, and uh, we'll, love to, we'll, we'll stay and pray as long as we need to back there. Uh, other than that, we're going to continue the series next Sunday. I love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.